Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Hey, let me just take a few minutes um, and, and just chat with you guys before I jump into this. Um, just about where we are and, and what's happening with the search for a building because I know everybody wants to know. Um, and actually, I want to know too. So if you, if you have something, you can come to the mic right now. No, seriously. Um, we, we are searching extensively. Uh, last night, Rebecca and I probably, I don't know, two, two and a half hours just literally driving our city. And, and looking at different places and, and uh, talking and asking the Lord w- what his plan would be. And, and, and that's something that happens often, even when Rebecca's not with me. Those are things that I'm doing quite often. Um, and so we, we, are, we are looking for what the Lord has. And I want to use this word as inheritance. What is it that he wants us to inherit? Now, I understand that we come in sometimes and, uh, you know, last week it was ridiculously hot and, you know, just everything you could imagine was happening. Um, What I have said in my heart to do, though, and I hope that you can honor this, what I've said in my heart to do is not be led by emotions and not move out of emotion. Because if we do that, inevitably, we're going to get into something that is not inheritance, but something we have to strive to keep. Um, We've had opportunities, been in talks, all the way down to contracts, where the realtor is saying, I just need you to give me a contract, and this is done. And my guiding principle has been this, out of Proverbs chapter 10, that the Lord gives blessing that adds no sorrow. And there are moments in those contract developments where I start looking at numbers and I'm like, man, every time I think about that, that adds sorrow. (laughs) And we're trying to practice what we preach and leave something for a generation that is better than what we got. And so I just want you to know that that we are absolutely working toward that and and understand that that this is, is not the ideal spot. Uh, for where we may want to be just because of of the layout here. Um, At the same time, if we think that a check will fix our problem, we don't really have a problem, guys. We really don't. And and so I just want us to understand that that, that is what we're doing, that, that we are absolutely moving in those ways and, and, and trying to make that happen. And I want you to know this. I want to be very, very clear about this. I absolutely welcome dialogue. I absolutely welcome dialogue. If you have questions, if you need to, you know, just chat and feel like you need to be heard. I want you to know I absolutely welcome that. And we are working on other um, possible options that that may work for our kingdom family. And um, when we do that, we're going to absolutely, I've told you from the beginning, you'll be the first to know, I promise. Um, and, And so in saying that, I want to applaud Awakening Church, and I want you to know how awesome you are. I want you to know that as aggravated as we were with the heat last week, we had a crew here last night that was setting up and making things happen so that we could come in and experience corporately what the Lord is doing. 
I want you to know that last week we had an amazing picnic at Broad Run Park. It was absolutely just over the top. I mean, it was so well done. We had games and family time and amazing food. And so I just want you to know that, that this is not limiting the movement of our kingdom family. And, and so we, we, are in a, we are in a unique position where we are, are just waiting on the inheritance that the Lord has for us in regard to this. Is that okay? Are we good? Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. I am so excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and just review a little bit about what we talked about last week and then uh, move into some stuff that I, that I didn't get to talk about. And uh, it, it's just going to be amazing. Um, I just love what the Lord is saying and what he's doing and, and challenging uh, me and challenging all of those things that are around. Um, can I just brag on my baby girl just a moment? She graduated from high school. She was up here leading worship earlier. Um, I am so impressed with Haley Bain. And um, a couple of years ago, we decided to change schools, and she went to Portland Christian. And um, she went in... And she made prophetic declarations because there were certain things that we were like, oh, man, I don't know if this, and you know, no place is perfect. And, and she said, you know, she said, Dad, she said, maybe I'm just supposed to be the change that comes here. And I am so impressed with the mark that my daughter left on that place in two years. She was awarded uh, the Pro Musica Award, which is an award uh, for the whole music department. And, and the music department at Portland Christian is, is very esteemed in regard to tradition. And they gave that award to Haley because of her love for music, but also, also her love for God and the interaction of those two. Um, she arranged a piece that they sang at the graduation and I don't even think she knew this at the time but the governor was there so she was singing in front of the governor and um, she left a mark on that place and and I'm so proud of her and I just want you to know that Haley that that we are so proud of you and we're so grateful and as a body there are so many of you that 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 have come and been at events and supported her and uh, we're so uh, just so thankful for Haley she's going to Bethel to Reading next year to the Supernatural School of Ministry and um, so we just want you to know we're proud of you and all of their graduates, we're going to be celebrating all the graduates later on. We're so proud of you guys. Uh, but she's my daughter, and I have the mic, so that's why I said that. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, where do we want to start today? Let's, let's, let's go to Matthew, so I can read that again. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. I really want to hit review quickly, and I promise I'm not going to get stuck on Luke 22 today. I promise you, I will not get stuck on Luke 22. I may mention Luke 22, but I will not get stuck on Luke 22. Um, I promise. Matthew 16. So, so let me say this. I said this last week. Excellence in the kingdom is more related to the way that you see the king than it is us making all the right moves and doing all the right things. Excellence in the kingdom is more about the way that you perceive the king than it is about you making the right scorecard. Some people strive for perfection in attempting to do the right thing. Excellence is sustainable. Perfection is never sustainable. Excellence is sustainable. Perfection is never sustainable. 
All right, Matthew 16. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me, the son of man? Who do they believe I am? They answered, some are convinced that you're John the baptizer. Others say Elijah reincarnated or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah, for you did not discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So, so this is uh, some real intentional language by Jesus to release kingdom concepts into Peter. And that, that's what we're talking about is kingdom concepts. Keys to kingdom realm, the kingdom realm of authority are released as a result of seeing the king correctly. Now, remember... While I'm not going to stay here long, it's so important to understand that Jesus is keenly aware of Peter's shortcomings, his failures, and just a few verses later, his, the prophecy of Peter's denial. He's already aware of all of that, right? And, and the Luke 22 passage that I said I'm not going to mess with very long today is just this. Peter... Satan has sought to sift you like wheat. I have prayed for you that you would remain faithful. When you turn back to me, I want you to lead your brothers. It's an amazing scripture. Jesus is already prophesying the power of the resurrection into Peter's life, knowing that Peter would fail. And he says, when you turn back to me, I want you to lead your brothers. Jesus is keenly aware of all of this, okay? And he still decides to release into Peter keys of authority that would allow his disciples and Peter to understand that what he was about to build was not based on a personality, a gifting. It wasn't based on the fact that Peter was, was mouthy. It wasn't based on the fact that Peter would do everything correctly. It was solely based on the fact that he had someone who could see him correctly and see who he was. It's so important that we see the king correctly. We will never expand the king's dominion, which is the kingdom, if we don't see him correctly. We gotta see him correctly, it's so important, okay? So we, we talked about last week, we talked about what, what I feel like we're building here, what I feel like we are moving toward, which is an apostolic revival community or an apostolic revival family is, is, is what I wanna say, okay? And so we're talking about the apostolic, and I know there's been a lot of preaching about the apostolic, and, and some of it has been really good. Some of it has been somewhat inaccurate. Some of it has been, um, I hear what you're saying, but I still have no idea what it really means at the end of the day. And so my, my hope is that we can really begin to understand what the word means, what Jesus was saying. Um, and, and again, when, when the word apostolic or apostle did not come till the New Testament, right? It was a Greek word word apostolos which means sent ones and when Jesus uses these words and and names his apostles what he's saying he's speaking to them about some cultural things that the Romans would do we talked about it last week so just just as a, a way of review Rome when they would conquer a country 
if they, for several years, they would conquer a country and then they would have to go back and reconquer that country because the culture was not mirroring Rome. And so what they decided is when we conquer a country, we then need to make sure that it begins to mirror Rome. So they would send apostles, cultural apostles, into the countries that they would conquer and they would bring in uh, their education ideas, their finance ideas, they would bring in their medical ideas, their religious ideas in order to make the area that they conquered look like Rome. It's where we get the phrase, when in Rome, do as the Romans. And so what they were doing was instead of having to reconquer something over and over again, they would begin to adjust culture and change culture to look like Rome. One of the things that I feel like we have done in the church is we have tried to conquer things over and over and over again instead of making some adjustments that where we would actually change culture to mirror kingdom. Okay, one of the one of the things that the Lord spoke to me some years ago I was I was praying in my living room and and I remember the spot on the floor where I was I was laying there and I heard the Lord say so clearly transform the culture to mirror the kingdom, and so that's that's what we're after is trying to attempt to to transform culture to to mirror the kingdom. So what does it mean to be an apostolic people? It means that our focus is on impacting culture to look like the kingdom. That's really what it means to be an apostolic people. We're not apostolic because we say we're apostolic. We're not apostolic because we say, hey, we've got an apostle that's over us. Let me be clear. An apostle is not just the highest ranking official in the church. That's, that, that, that's not what we're talking about. We're an apostolic people because the culture being transformed to mirror the kingdom is really what we are after. And, and we're going to go deeper into that. What's revival? Revival is not a period of time where we stimulate the church into temporary fruit production. It's about restoring the image of God to the earth as it is in heaven. That's really what revival is about. Restoring the image of God. And then community. It's the mission that Jesus was, was to recapture the family atmosphere from the garden. This is why he taught his disciples to pray, our Father. Okay, so I want to ask this question. Many of you, let me, let me just see your hand. How many of you have been in church for 10 years or longer? Let me see your hand. Wow. Wow. Okay, most of us. Let, let me ask this question. Based on that fact, based on the fact that you've been in a body of believers for 10 years or longer, what culture is being created for generations to come right now? What culture do you see in the church that is being created for generations to come? Let me ask it this way. What is the legislative body? Remember, Jesus said, I'll build my church, my legislative assembly, what do legislators do? They create laws, right? They put things into motion. What legislative decrees are happening as a result of our body or the body of Christ at large for generations to come? These are the kind of questions that I'm having to answer. What is it that I am attempting to do that will not only affect what we're doing now, but will affect when they have it, when your kids have it? When your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and one of the things that, that, that I think that we have been challenged in is thinking that we don't really have to do anything like that because eventually we're just going to all get to heaven and everything will be perfect there. 
So, so what we say sometimes is, is it's not going to be perfect here. And remember what I said, perfection is not sustainable. But we, we, we don't even think that it's going to be excellent here for the kingdom because when we get to heaven, everything's going to be turned around, right? And everything's going to be fine. And, and what happens is it produces in us a, a very temporary mindset and we don't think about things of the kingdom. Okay, the kingdom. We, I said this last week, and, and uh, I think I was even getting to talk to Lisa about this some. We sometimes struggle with the reality of the kingdom because we still think we get a vote. We struggle with the reality of, of kingdom concepts because we think we get a vote. We also have a misconception to believe that majorities rule. And I talked about this, uh, you know, it's, it's whatever you want to think. About 3%. About 3% of the population in our nation is controlling the agenda right now. The LGBTQ community is controlling the agenda that takes place in our nation on a very, very grand scale. It's not the majority of the people. In the name of tolerance, in the, in the name of tolerance, it, it, it just kind of is, is what it is. And so ultimately this and other things have become the drivers of culture because we've not truly been an apostolic people. We've not truly been ones who have been seeking to reform and, and transform culture to mirror the kingdom. Listen, I want to tell you, when I talk about that, I am so not saying that we all need to get into ministry and you need to do. I'm saying that as whatever it is that you do for a job, as, as that craftsman, as, as that person, you have an ability to carry kingdom concepts into that realm and that sphere and literally transform culture to mirror the kingdom where you are. And we are better when you are doing that than we would be if you had a microphone in your hand. We will never, ever fit the city of Louisville in any building that we have. So we have to have people who are doing it in the culture, who are doing it on a, on a larger scale than what we can even think about in a corporate gathering, and I love them, but we have to have people who have these kingdom concepts and these kingdom mindsets to move forward. Now, what is the opposite of the kingdom? And this is where I stopped last week. What is the opposite of the kingdom? The opposite of the kingdom is religion. The opposite of the kingdom is religion. Religion is always based on performance. Religion is always based on performance. Here's something else that I want to say. Human needs drive religion. Human needs drive religion. Abraham Maslow, who was a humanistic psychologist, came up with what we know, if you've studied psychology at all, you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, okay? So, so he comes up with, with the hierarchy of needs, which after studying the motivation of human behaviors, found that all humans are driven by the same hierarchy of needs, okay? Water, food, clothes, housing, protection, security, preservation, self-actualization, and significance. Okay, let me say those again. Water, food, clothes, housing, protection, security, pre preservation, self-actualization, and I just lost my spot, and uh, significance, okay? These are listed in order of priority, and if we would be honest, we would agree with his findings. 
If, we, if, if, if we're really being true and honest, we would agree with his findings that, that these are things that we would legitimately say, hey, these are needs. What's amazing is that religions, many of them, are formed around the position of meeting these needs. Now, I introduced something in prayer meeting the other day, and I may have said it here, I can't remember. But we, we get our concepts of heaven and hell from humanistic philosophers and not actually the scripture. The, the, the predominant message about heaven and hell come from two humanistic philosophers. One of them, the name is Dante, and the other one is leaving my mind right now because I didn't write it down. Uh, I want to say it's Plato. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's Plato. So Dante and Plato, Plato, y'all hear that? Sound like country boy, Plato. Dante and Plato really have fed what we understand and believe about heaven and hell. More than that, we have, we have believed that because of the way that they have introduced heaven, that God is somewhere in some distant universe that we can't touch and we don't know. It's interesting to me that we would adopt those things as a church, okay? And so now we have a humanistic psychologist who's, who, who gives us a hierarchy of needs and says, this is, this is what every human needs and this is the way that we should go. Are y'all, are y'all bored? Okay, all right, I just want to make sure. So, so the basis of most religions is worshiping a deity who will in some way bless the patrons to meet these needs that I just listed. In essence, the human need is driving religion. Okay, so now let's look at this again. Water, food, clothes, housing, protection, security, preservation, self-actualization, significance. Now, what's really interesting is if you go to Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus is preaching, he says... These birds do not work, they do not reap, and they do not sow. But the Father knows everything that they have need of, and if he loves the birds, how much more does he love you? Look at the flowers who do not toil, they do not spin, but are clothed with more beauty than Solomon's castle could have ever been clothed. And if he would take care of those, would he not take care of you? He then goes on to say... In direct contrast to this and what has been adopted by many religions, he then goes on to say, do not worry about what you will eat. Do not worry about what you will wear. Do not worry about where you will live, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. All of these things will be added to you. The question is, have we listened to what Maslow said and made it a doctrine, or did we listen to what Jesus said and made it a doctrine? Are we pursuing things to meet human needs instead of pursuing the kingdom and receiving those things as inheritance as Jesus instructed? What are you saying, Ryan? Are you saying we all need to go quit our jobs? Come on, you gotta be, no. Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. What I'm, what I'm trying to say, though, is you can't remove the fact that in Deuteronomy, he said that it's him who gives you the power to get wealth. It's him who does that. Now, you can pursue the system of Babylon. You can do that. And you may be very wealthy. You may be very affluent. You may have all those things. Or you can pursue the kingdom, and you can make things change when you open your mouth, and you can change directions and atmospheres because of your connection to the king. And then he says, and on top of all that, I'm still going to add all of this to you. I want, to, I, want to show you, I want to show you what religion does. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to give some sporadic verses, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you some time to see them because I really want you to see this, okay? Matthew chapter 12, verse, uh, where are we at? Matthew 12, verse 9. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. I'm actually in the New King James today because I'm going to go Old Testament in a minute. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Okay, so verses 11 and 12, he's talking to the Pharisees. Look at verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Let's go to verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and a great multitude followed him, and he healed them all. Verse, I healed them all. Let's go to verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. Everybody say, healed him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does, does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub. So the Pharisees are there talking, right? Let's go to verse, um, let's go to verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Do y'all get that? You with me? There's a man with a withered hand. He heals him. The multitudes follow them. He heals them all. They bring a blind and a mute man. He heals him, sets him free. And then the Pharisees say, Teacher, would you show us a sign? Why? Because religion will cause people to be unmoved by the redemptive touch of Jesus to broken humanity. Every demonstration, I want you to listen to this, every demonstration of power by Jesus, regardless of what it was, whether he was walking on water, healing a widow's son, multiplying bread, whatever it was, every demonstration of power by Jesus was a redemptive touch to restore something that was broken in people. Power and demonstration in the kingdom has never been about building ministries and crowds. This is why Jesus retreated from them. It has always been about expanding the dominion of the king and restoring broken people. Kingdom concepts and demonstrations of power are not about random gift displays. It's about restoring something that is broken in humanity. And when we get a realization of what it is to be a kingdom people, we will begin to see things happen that we have been praying for and striving for for years. I'm telling you that I am being challenged with this question as I pray for sick people, as I pray 
for things that are going on in my life. Am I moved by compassion or am I moved by what I see in front of me? The Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, that Jesus was moved by compassion and healed them all. He was restoring something in humanity that was broken. And that's what the demonstration of power was about. It was about restoring something that was broken in humanity. And what religion does, because it's based in performance, is it will miss the significance of the redemptive touch of Jesus on broken humanity because religion believes that it should perform in order for that to happen. There was no performance that the man with the withered hand could do. There was no performance that the blind and mute could do. There was no performance that the multitudes could do. But Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed every single one of them. I'm asking us as a body, are we moved by compassion or is there another motive that causes us to do what we do? The kingdom concept and the apostolic function of us transforming culture is that we go into scenarios where there is no reward for us in that scenario, but because of compassion and what we carry as a kingdom people, we change the atmosphere based on what we declare and what we carry. This is more than gathering together on a Sunday or a Wednesday for prayer meeting. This is more than that. It's am I living every single day in the reality that Jesus paid for more? Every demonstration of power was a redemptive touch to heal something that was broken in humanity. This is why the Sermon on the Mount, when you go and you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you just listen to what Jesus is saying, everything that he's doing is going after mindsets that these people have been steeped in for generation after generation after generation. And we have looked at that and we've said, man, that's awesome. We have looked at that and said, oh, I want to be a part of that. But then we got right back into cycles of doing things that did not cause us to change culture, but caused us to mimic what we saw in the generation before. Is it possible? Is it possible that we have not experienced the depth of this dimension of the kingdom because we had other motives other than restoring broken people? Is it possible? Is it possible? Here's what I believe inherently about the people of Christ. I do not believe that that is a conscious thought, that my motive would be something other than helping someone. I do not believe it would be a conscious thought. I want to say that. I do believe in our subconscious, we have been programmed to think that if we build a crowd, that looks like success. And if this happens, then that will build a crowd. Therefore, our motives in our subconscious is really what I'm talking about. I do not believe for a moment that anyone would sit here and say, I want to see somebody restored so that my ministry will blow up. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But I'm asking, are we missing a dimension of the kingdom 
because we've locked into some other things and pursuing some other things. I love what the Passion Translation says. Seek first the kingdom of God. In the Passion Translation, it says pursue, chase after the kingdom. And I'm just wondering, what does our pursuit look like? Are we pursuing fulfilling the needs that we have or are we really pursuing the king and the kingdom? We will never be an apostolic people if we bring healing and restoration to a people and a culture and the sole result is that our community grows. We are an apostolic people when we bring healing and restoration to people and culture and the dominion of the king is expanded and the culture is transformed to mirror the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, let's, let's just quickly look at original intent. Are we good? Everybody still good? All right. I'm going to go to Genesis 2. Genesis 2. Okay. Original intent. Don't you love it when your preacher goes Old Testament and he's talking about the kingdom? I want to show you original intent. Life in the garden is where God was creating an Adam was on earth giving language to what God was creating. I want you to hear that. Life in the garden was about Adam giving language to what God had created. Genesis 2. Of course, this is all pre-fall, right? This, this is all pre-fall before they fell. Oh, there's so much. Uh, the Lord God planted a garden eastward. I've asked this question before. Isn't it interesting that the Lord planted a garden? Why would he plant a garden when he could speak one into full maturity? Isn't that interesting? He planted a garden because his nature as father loves to see things grow. He loves to see things grow. That's why Jesus was not moved that Peter would fail. pretty cool. He planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who he formed. Okay, let's skip down to verse 19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper and a, com a comparable to him. So it goes on, the Lord makes Eve out of Adam. Now watch this. Here's the picture. God creates animals out of the ground. According to the scripture, he made these animals to pass by Adam. And as the animal would pass by Adam, Adam would give it a name. I'm not talking about like Hoss and Debo, like we name our dogs. He would give it a name, Lion. Obviously, he didn't speak English, okay? Go with me. The animal would come and pass in front of Adam. I want you to catch this. Sometimes we read over this stuff, we're like, oh man, that's a great story. 
That's, that's a great fairy tale. But the animal was made to pass in front of Adam. And when he declared lion, it took on the, it took on the characteristics of a lion. It became bold. It became courageous. Whenever the animal would pass in front of him, he would give it a name and it would take on the characteristics of what he was naming it. This was original intent. God made them to pass by Adam. He would, they would take on the characteristics of what he said. If you really study that out, they actually presented themselves to Adam. The animals would present themselves to Adam Because God was creating and Adam was prophesying a culture that would last from the day that he named it until forever. He did not say, I'm going to name you this and you're going to function in this little sphere until you get to heaven and then you can really become who you are. It's not what he did. He looked at what God was creating. Y'all are bored now. Y'all actually listen to me like, what's he saying? <laughs> he looked at what he was creating and began to give language to what God had created in heaven, brought to earth, and Adam creates a culture now that we still adhere to because of his partnership with the Father. What did Jesus say in the New Testament? He said, there are things that I would love to tell you right now, but I cannot tell you because you can't handle them. Why would he say that? Is it because he wanted to withhold things? No, it's because when he speaks, he creates things. He doesn't just have random words. And so there were things that he could have put into motion through creation that they were not able to handle. They were not, they were not able to have the capacity to even function in. And so he said, I've got to wait until Holy Spirit comes and then he will bear witness of the things that I am trying to tell you. What Jesus could have said, and this is just Ryan, okay? This is not in the Bible. This is Ryan. But what he could have said is he could have given them every single thing necessary to see kingdom expansion take place. But without Holy Spirit and without the partnership, they would have tried to do it in and of themselves. And it would have been something that would have fallen on its face and not a culture that was sustained. So original intent is that God would create something. He would create a culture. He would create an ecosystem. He would create something in the earth that his legislative body, please understand that's what Adam was doing. Adam was functioning as the image of God on earth from what God had given from heaven to declare what was presented to him. What would happen if we got the same reality that we are a legislative body, that we are a legislative assembly, the ecclesia, and have the ability to declare what culture will be for our children, what culture will be for our grandchildren, based on what God has released to the earth, we become the image of God in the earth to declare 
what culture would look like. This is what an apostolic people looks like. Or we can just continue to have services and it'll be fun and we'll have chill bumps every once in a while. Come on, man, there's more. There's more than this. Apostolic prophetic people, their words carry weight. Their words carry weight. And if, listen, let let me just say the other side of this. If you are a person who really has an anointing and carries weight with your words, the worst thing that you can do when you begin to feel fear is to talk. As a matter of fact, I would ask you that when you feel like you're being motivated by fear and you already know that you're anointed, you need to be quiet because you have the ability to create things with your words. I'm not talking about this name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, even though I think if we had a real understanding of what that was, it would work for us. I ain't got no word of faith people in here today. Guys, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of living for services. I'm tired of living for a gathering that where we come together and nothing really changes. I'm tired of driving up and down the streets of our broken city and having to ask the question, do I really carry cultural transformation to see something here? I'm tired of hearing stories of people's children who knew the Lord and they walked away. I'm tired of hearing of all of the things that are happening in our city and in our culture because we have not taken our place as the image bearers of Christ in this city to be the ones who affect the change for the culture in our city and ultimately in our nation. I am borderline ticked off that we have Christians who would get on social media and blast our governor. First of all, it's a lack of honor. Second of all, you're teaching your children how to talk to authority. Thirdly, most of the time, They're mad at him because they feel like something's going to affect their pocketbook right now, not generations to come. And we have his opposite person that's running against him who has said emphatically, I will absolutely go against whatever happens. If Roe v. Wade, I heard him say it, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, I will absolutely bring legislation to our state to go against that so that it doesn't affect Kentucky because I am 100% pro-abortion. I don't mean to be insensitive about anyone's pension or anything like that. Please understand, I'm not trying to be insensitive about that. I understand, that's a big deal. But he didn't make the mess. He didn't, he didn't make the mess. Pastor, are you talking about politics or are you preaching today? Yes. What I'm trying to say is that we have the ability as a body of believers to see legislative cultural change take place that will affect generations to come. And you can't place a value on the life of an unborn child and it should never even be an issue. Or we can sit back and be mad, but still come to church and still pay our tithe and still do all that. Guys, listen, I am for all of that. I am so churchy, it's ridiculous. 
Like, those of you who know me know I am churchy. Like, I really am. I love everything about it. What I don't love is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's what I don't love. And what I'm trying to say is that we have the ability to affect culture. Original intent was that God would create, we would partner with him, bear his image on earth as it is in heaven and declare what should happen. Do y'all have faith for that? Do you have faith for that? I have small victories that I can go back to and I can look at and I can say, okay, this is where we came into agreement and we declared something and it happened just like we said. It happened just like we said. I also have things where I started running my soup coolers in a negative way. Y'all know what soup coolers are? Soup coolers. My lips. My wife says I got big lips, so they're soup coolers. I've said things in a negative way, and guess what? That happened too. So what do I want to do? Where am I at? What do I really believe? Where do I really believe? I've got to work 75 hours overtime this week so that I can get what I need. If I give two hours to prayer in a day, if I, if I tithe my day in prayer, I'm called weird and radical. I can't get no help in this Presbyterian church. Adam was placed in the garden that God planted to bring identity with words and actions to things that God created. This was an apostolic prophetic function as a represent, representative of the image of God on earth. This kind of culture-creating people is what we lost in the fall. You understand that? We lost that in the fall. This is also what Jesus came to demonstrate and paid for to be restored. This is what Jesus came to demonstrate and paid for to be restored. You understand that every miracle that Jesus did, every demonstration of power that we just talked about, that Jesus did, he did as a man. He did as a man. Thank you, Father, that you have heard me. Thank you, Father, that they will see that I am the Son of God based on what you're getting ready to do in and through me. They will know that I am who I say I am. He begins to create culture and identity. That's what he does to Peter. Peter, I say that you are the rock. I'm giving you identity knowing that you're about to fail. You're about to cuss out a little girl. You're going to cut off a dude's ear. You're going to deny me three times. And it still doesn't stop me from giving you identity and telling you who you really are and who I see you as. How do we do this stuff? It's by the authority of the king. That's really what a kingdom is. It's by the authority of the king. You have the ability to exercise his word, his government on earth. As we move through this, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll teach on this sometime. The, the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven as the governor of the kingdom. The way that a kingdom works when it conquers a nation, still it sends a governor from the throne and authority into that area that's been conquered 
to demonstrate what government in the kingdom should look like. There are nations across this world that have been settled and conquered by England that have governors from the throne in that nation that has taught them what government should look like, what culture should look like. The Holy Spirit is the governor sent from heaven to earth to demonstrate the kingdom so that we could partake in that. This is what Adam lost, but this is also what the blood of Jesus restored back to us. Remember what I said on Easter Sunday. We are a nation of kings and priests who do the work of the king of kings. Let me say this. On earth, as it is in heaven, has already been settled. We don't have to wonder, is that the will of the Lord? We do not have to wonder, is it the will of the Lord for it to be on earth as it is in heaven? It has already been settled. It is the heart of God that we would represent the image of God in the earth until it looks like heaven. That is his will. We do not have to worry about this truth or this reality. Guys, I'm telling you, what is available to us, what is available to this body, to this kingdom family, is more than you could have ever imagined when you said yes. It's more than you could have ever imagined. It's more than you could have ever imagined. I'm telling you, I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit so strong. It is more than you could have ever imagined. I'm telling you right now, there are, there are people in our midst today who, because of encounters with the king, are on total different paths than they were just months and years ago. There are, there are marriages that have been restored. There are marriages that have been birthed out of this place based on encounters with the king, not because everybody got the right scorecard. I'm telling you right now that an encounter with the king is what is available to us. And when we steward those encounters, we position ourselves to become people who transform culture with what we declare. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are giving us a clear roadmap. You're giving us keys to kingdom authority in a realm that we've not yet exercised. Thank you, Father, that you're giving us light into our path and lamps into our feet. I pray, God, that we would not stray when it's just a lamp to our feet and we only know the next step. 
pray that we would not outrun you when it's a light to our path and we can see the whole way. That we would be so in tune with the king, with the partnership that's available to us. That we would be able to declare your heart in our city and in our region. God, I'm asking that you would make us an apostolic people who long to see culture transformed to mirror the kingdom. I'm asking you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would begin to awaken our hearts to the reality of what's available in you. And I'm asking right now (coughs) that you would begin to release dreams and visions of what could be. I'm asking you right now that you would begin to give parents strategy for declaring what culture will look like for their children. I'm asking you right now, God, that you would begin to open our hearts to hear your word. I'm asking that you would begin to move on us with compassion, that we would have compassion for those that are hurting, that we would have compassion for those that are wounded. I'm asking God for supernatural encounters with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I understand that the inevitable byproduct of that is that healing and restoration comes. May we never chase after. May we never chase after anything other than the King, but may we go after those things until they become our normal. May we go after those things until they become our normal. I'm asking right now, God, that you would begin to release identity in this congregation, that these, under the sound of my voice today, would begin to function in the fullness of who you are, that they would begin to function in the reality of their God-given identity. I'm asking you right now that you would begin to bring a redemptive touch to broken humanity in this room, to those who are broken in spirit, to those who are broken in their body, that you would begin to release a redemptive touch to them today in Jesus' name. I'm asking by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would begin to release your spirit into their life right now. Come on, would you just do that right now? If, if, if you are in, in this room right now and you need a redemptive touch, you need something to be restored, whether it be spiritually, physically, emotionally, I just want you to lift your hands right now where you are. Just lift your hands. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just release the power of the Holy Spirit right now. We just declare that the love of God is flowing into this room right now. You're healing physically, spiritually, and emotionally. You're bringing the redemptive touch to broken humanity today. God, as those across this room who are lifting their hands, whatever it may be, I'm asking right now for a demonstration of power on their behalf to bring a redemptive touch to their broken humanity right now. I'm asking that for me and my family. I'm asking that for my kingdom family today, that you would release demonstrations of power today to release the power 
over broken humanity. Thank you that you're a healer. Thank you that you're a restorer. Thank you that you are the one who makes all things right. Thank you, Father, that it is your will that we would be whole. It is your will that we would be healed. It is your will that we would be delivered. We do not have to question those things. God, I'm asking right now that that, that those who need to be healed in their mind, that you would begin to renew minds right now who have incorrect thought processes processes, who have incorrect thought patterns right now, I'm asking that you would begin to release the power of the Holy Spirit over their thought process, thought processes right now, that they would begin to move into partnership with you and the thoughts of heaven. God, I'm asking that they would not have one thought in their mind that you don't think about them. I'm asking that they would not have one measure of their identity scarred on something that you don't call them. I'm asking right now that you would begin to release the power of the Holy Spirit to minds right now. Well, I just feel that strong. I feel that right now, that you would begin to release the power of the Holy Spirit. We're asking for renewed minds right now. We're asking for renewed minds right now. Come on, just receive that where you are. Just receive a renewed mind, the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. Yeah, 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 the mind of Christ right now to be released in our hearts right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would begin to think like you. We would begin to talk like you. We would begin to do what you have done right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Release that in us today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, I ask that you would begin to awaken people from spiritual boredom. That you would begin to awaken people from spiritual boredom and let them know that it's not your issue. (laughs) Let them know it's not a God issue. Give them revelation. Give them revelation right now. I'm asking that you would awaken a generation right now. I just want to say to young men, from young men from about 19 to 35, that, that you would begin to stir passion in them right now, that you would begin to awaken them out of spiritual boredom, that you would begin to release the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to give them identity as priests and kings, that you would begin to release over them the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Ages 19 to 35 right now, just begin to release that over them in the name of Jesus, that you would awaken them. You would awaken their hearts. I say to you, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. To those that will listen to this on on the podcast or even on, on the stream, I say, awake, O sleeper, to men 19 to 35 who need an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Awake, awake from spiritual boredom in the name of Jesus. Encounter the love of a father. Encounter the love of a father. Come on, can you all lock in? Let's just lock in for a moment. Jesus name Jesus thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit 
Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I ask right now over young women that you would begin to release a grace to be a handmaiden in your presence right now. That you would begin to release a grace to be handmaiden in your presence. I'm asking, God, I'm asking right now that you would raise up Simeon's and Hannah's out of this company right now. That people under the sound of my voice would be moved to live in your presence. I'm asking that you would release over them a one thing move, a one thing calling, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and inquire of his beauty. God, I'm asking that you would release Simeon's and Hannah's in our midst right now in Jesus' name. In the state of Kentucky, let a company of Simeon's and Hannah's be raised up who would priest before you, who would priest before you. God, I'm asking that you would raise up in our nation a company of Simeon's and Hannah's that would priest before you, that would not relent until they saw you, that they would not relent until they laid their eyes on the man Jesus. God, I'm asking for that right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give us revelation. Give us revelation right now of the man Jesus. Give us revelation of the partnership that we have with him, that we are lacking in no spiritual gift. We are lacking in no spiritual gift. We have everything necessary to transform culture, everything necessary. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just want to go after pessimistic speech right now in the name of Jesus. If there are those who are dominated by pessimistic speech, if there are those who are dominated by pessimistic thoughts, by, by cynicism, by cynical thoughts, I'm asking right now that there would be a renewing of the mind in Jesus' name, that there would be a renewing of the mind, that joy, the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm asking right now that you would release a wave of righteousness, peace, and joy in our midst today in Jesus' name. I come against pessimistic speech right now. Declare the word of the Lord. Declare the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give us the mind of Christ. Give us the mind of Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, wow, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, 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 Jesus. hallelujah. I want us to, to take just a moment today. We're going to pray for our president. Many spiritual leaders across this nation have asked us to take some special time and do that. David, would you come and do that? Would you just come and, and we'll be closed after this. I'm going to ask David just to pray. We're going to pray specifically for, for President Trump today. <clears throat> and then you can just tell us about tearing down as well. Thanks. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we just come into agreement with your command to us. It's not about uh, any person. It's not about who we like or don't like. God, it's about the leader that has been placed over us. Lord, we declare that because you raise up kings and you bring them down. 
And Lord, today, we just call upon your name. We declare blessing and wisdom over our president today. Lord, we ask that you would guide his every thought. God, we pray that you would bring true change, not only into his life, but through his life for the United States of America. God, I pray that you would cause his presidency to bring America back to you, to bring men and women, families back to you. God, we pray that you would that you would raise up his cabinet, that you would raise up all those, God, that work with him, both in the legislative body and in the court system. God, we just pray that you would bring an anointing, an anointing, God, that would draw all your people back to you. And Lord, we recognize that your word has called us. You said, if my people who are called by my name will rise up and pray, seek my face. God, you didn't say if all of America would do it. You didn't say if all the world would do it. You didn't, you, you only said if my people, Lord, we are your people. We declare it today. We are called by your name. And so, God, today we rise up and we call you blessed, God. We rise up and we declare that you are God of this universe. You are God of the United States of America. You are God of this world. And we declare today that you are blessing, raising up this president today to do your work. God, we pray today that you would just bring it into our hearts to pray for him, not just today, but daily. You would just bring it into our hearts, God, that each and every day that we would be reminded that you still raise up kings. You still raise up leaders. You still raise up those to rule over nations. And so, God, today... We ask that you would just bring wisdom to our president. You would bring anointing by the power of your spirit over his life and over everything that he touches, God, that it would bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, I pray that each of us would be able and willing to repent, God, where we have not called out the names of our leaders like we should have. We repent of that today. We repent of thinking that we know what is right and what is wrong when, God, we have oftentimes deviated from your word in that. So, God, today as we release it to you, we thank you for your blessing over our president. We thank you, God, as you anoint him and as you bring all of us to repentance. Lord, to line up with your word, your word, your heart, your direction, your call for our lives. We thank you for it, God. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the name above every name, the one true ruler who is above every kingdom, every democracy, every governmental system, the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare according to your word. May the increase of your government never end. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at AwakeningKY. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com.